Hello there, and welcome to this episode of the Movies in Focus podcast. I'm Niall Brown. It's a Wonderful Knife is an entertaining slasher flick with a difference. As the title indicates, the film is a riff on Frank Capra's 1946 Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life. Starring Jane Widdop, Joel McHale and Justin Long, the film has heart and laughs wrapped up against the film's bloody kills. A year after saving her small town from a crazed killer, Jane Widdop's Winnie is now down in the dumps by the way things have turned out. When she wishes that she'd never been born, she finds herself in an alternate reality. And that's when she sees how bad life would be without her. And things are made even worse when the killer is still on the loose. Tyler McIntyre, the director of It's a Wonderful Knife, and Michael Kennedy, the film's writer, joined the Movies in Focus podcast to talk about the trials and tribulations of making this quirky Christmas slasher. And as always, I hope you enjoy what we had to talk about. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for uh, thanks for getting on with us. And I mean, it must be tough for you guys because with strikes and everything going on, you guys must be working double duty doing your your promo. Is that is that how it's working? I think so, right? I've never done this many interviews before in my life. So maybe we're maybe I'm taking up some of the slack. <laughs> And how, how are you finding it? What, what's it like when, when, when you've made a, a movie? What's it like going out and selling it? Um, this is my first time really ever doing a press tour. Like on Freaky, I wrote that with Chris Landon, who directed it. So everyone wanted to speak to him. I think three outlets wanted to speak to me on that movie. <laughs> um, so this is kind of my first rodeo with with like a lot of press. It's fun. It's really fun. It's It's nice to... I don't know. It's nice to be the voice of the movie in a way. And it must yeah. be, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I've done a number of these, uh, but it's more like uh, it depends what the, what people want, you know, like it's uh, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a kind of, I don't know, like getting it out there and trying to sell it is kind of part of the, part of the, part of the journey, you know, I mean, usually a lot more for actors, but like because of the SAG strike, you know, it's um, you know, there's definitely a little more, um, more, a little more front and center than usual. But it also must be good going out and selling such a fun movie, you know, especially when so much energy. It is. You can, you know, I, I, I mean, I think it's good. It's just, you know, I don't know what people think, but it seems like so far most of the people you've spoken to seem pretty positive about it. And then like I said to one of my friends who actually interviewed us, I was like, I feel like the interviews went really well the other day. Like everyone seemed really positive. She goes, yeah, journalists are not good actors. <laughs> so you can tell when they actually don't like the movie they're talking to you about and it's so far I feel like it's been pretty positive so yeah I mean I imagine it must be I mean the thing about it is it it's first it's a festive movie and you don't really often get many Christmas sort of slasher movies Mm-mm. and also I mean I have to ask the question before we get into it which came first the concept or the title <laughs> Uh, the concept and the title came at the same time. Honestly, I sat down to, I wanted to make a Christmas movie, a Christmas horror movie. I knew I wanted to do that next. And then I had such a great time on Freaky that I was like, I'm going to try to go the same route with it. And so as I started breaking story and realizing that I wanted to use It's Wonderful Life as a template, the title came to my head right away. In fact, it was like a joke title, to be honest with you. It was like a title I just put on the, pitch doc that I was formulating as like a placeholder and it ended up kind of 
getting a life of its own, which is great. And then how did it end up going from your pitch to making to the screen sort of and, and you sort of helming it? How did that all come about? What was what was that journey? I mean, that was uh, I wrote the I wrote the script myself and then partnered with Divide and Conquer run by Adam Hendricks and Greg Gilraith um, to produce the movie. And when I pitched when I told them about the movie and said, do you want to do this with me? I told them that it wasn't like a caveat, but I was like, if we're going to do this, I want to be involved the whole way. I want to produce with you. And they enthusiastically agreed. So then getting Tyler was literally us meeting with directors and meeting with Tyler. And he just had a really great, great, like visual presentation and like take and just vision for the movie that we were like, let's, let's make the movie with Tyler. And as a slasher movie, the, the, the villain is usually, you know, you've got such a great looking villain. It's almost ghost face, but it's not. It's like no face or, you know, how, however you want to look at it. How do you come up with a concept? That, how do you design that? Is that costume you guys working together? Was it the script? Was it? How does yeah, that there were some elements in the in the script like he uh you know like we he kind of had this like white cloak and there were some uh, you know ideas about like having a more ornate dagger and things like that and then we just started to kind of throw around a lot of references you know like because the concept was that he's an angel we started to decide like well what does that mean exactly like a lot of the set pieces kind of as they existed in the script involved him being like relatively um like agile so we knew he wasn't going to be like a Jason Voorhees type size and also because of the characters that were going to be inside of them, they need to be kind of match those body types. And so we uh, started to throw around references uh, of like, you know, we all kind of liked the like um, ghost face sort of silhouette to a certain extent, but then how do we differentiate it a little bit? And so it, it, we kind of decided, well, maybe he should he have wings? And then we went down that whole thing for, for a bit. And then we started to look at essentially like vintage, like tree toppers, like those angels that go on the top of Christmas yep. trees. And a lot of those have very blank kind of faces or very like kind of, almost like porcelain kind of faces that have a little reflect, reflect reflectivity to them. And so we um, decided that it wouldn't be, could we, would it be possible to have just like a blank uh, kind of face that just feels like you're just staring into a reflection or like almost like a frosted light bulb type texture. And okay. then, um, and then we, we threw out a few other design ideas and then, um, uh, and then eventually kind of uh, did some camera tests and, and kind of backed our way into that working with Matea, our, our costume designer and, and, um, Tiana, our production designer, and then um, you know we also knew that we had to kind of uh, put a little more effort into like the knife, and and the, and so like the knife itself, the hilt kind of has these sort of wing design to it, and people have been responding really well to it, and um, you know with a kind of a all white slasher, um, you know th then you you realize that oh you can't really hide in the shadows, you have to like hide them against like white surfaces or against the snow or things like that, and it created a, a fun opportunity. And that, that's one thing. When I watch Christmas movies, sort of, I always think they're they're obviously shot in June or July and this sort of fake snow, that sort of thing. Was that real snow? Because I mean, there was a bit of snow there. Is is what's the complexities of of doing all that? How does it... Yeah, it, it was a bit of a mixture. I mean, we did shoot in Vancouver in March, and it was you know like like it's a little late, but it, but there's still some snow, and it snowed a lot during pre production. And so we were able to keep some of that effect snow, but then like, you know, and then like put it into frame for some of the things. And um, but a lot of the snow, like we didn't use any actual fake snow, like it's all actual ice, you know, like um, either what they call fish ice or or actual snow that was gathered and sometimes existed in, in some of the locations. It definitely had me sort of fooled thinking it, it all looked real. So because I'm always I'm one of those people that's always on the lookout for kind of is there a, a stash of cotton wool just 
put up against yeah. the door somewhere. <laughs> it was legit cold too. Like that was the other thing. Yeah. I find um, just being somebody, I mean, I grew up in Canada, so I'm very familiar with snow. Um, but the idea of like what sells the the temperature to me is just the fact that um, uh, you can see people's breath, you know, yeah. and, and that's a, that's one of the most difficult um, things to do in post-production to make look right. Um, and so just the fact that we didn't have to do any of that um, uh, really helped because our actors were legit freezing. So, <laughs> Which always good to put them through the ringer, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, you got to take them down a peg, you know, like, you, you know, you really got to make sure that they're all in line. <laughs> And, and sort of speaking of actors, how did your cast come together? I mean, what was the process there? Uh, it, it was a pretty organic process. Um, we definitely um, uh, kind of had to figure out um, sort of um, uh, uh, our lead kind of early. Uh, and so we had, you know, went through a bunch of different lists of like who might be kind of our winnie. And um, I'd seen uh, Jane Whittup in a show called Yellow Jackets. And um, and so she, or sorry, they were on our, on our list and they were um, uh, somebody we thought was, uh, you know, was really interesting in that show. And then had been a, a few more things. And um, and so they they did a read for us that was pretty amazing. And uh, that tape, well, we kind of cast them based off that. And we're like, well, let's just build the movie of the ensemble kind of around, you know, them and that performance. And um, and then uh, like Joel uh, came on really early as well and um, to play uh, David. And so he uh, definitely had a, um, you know, it was kind of, uh, you know, having fun sort of be played to get a little bit against type, you know, because he, he's, he's usually like a bit of a comedy, um, you know, heavyweight and and we were playing him um, in slightly a different way. Like we were playing him as a bit more of a squeaky clean Hallmark dad, but then allowing him to show some more dramatic um, colors. And he's a very, you know, amazing um, dramatic actor. And so, yeah. um, you know, he really got into like the weirdness of it. And um, and then uh, you know and then Justin Long we knew we kind of needed somebody that was like a bigger villain which um, and he came in with a ton of great ideas about how eccentric this guy was and the very specific look he had and um, mm -hmm. and it was more about kind of shaping all of the great energy kind of coming off of what he was bringing and then uh, you know we found a lot of great uh, local local performers as well like um, like uh, Jess McLeod who plays Bernie. Um, they came in with a, um, you know, a, a really great read and we watched, you know, hundreds of tapes trying to figure out like the right energy to sort of bounce off Jane. And, and they really, um, you know, their relationship became like the backbone of the film. And then, and then beyond that, just, you know, smaller, uh, you know, like, uh, like Catherine Isabel, who's a great uh, kind of um, local actor who's kind of a legend in, in genre stuff and, and who plays Aunt Gail, who was, was uh, awesome to, awesome okay. to have. Yeah. Okay. And going back to sort of Justin Long's character, do I even have to ask if there's sort of a, he's based on Trump or is that, <laughs> is that me, uh, me reading too much in? I mean, not Trump specifically. He had a couple other references. We threw around a lot of like, like those sorts of, you know, um, kind of slimy sort of baby boomer businessmen. There's a number of examples, you know, like the Michael Douglas and Wall Street kind of look. And, and, and I know that like the, uh, I think some of the voice was a bit uh, like, what was what's the guy's name? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. He was kind of playing up this, this, I don't know if you're familiar with Joel Osteen, but he's like a famous preacher here in the States. Who's like a zillionaire. Right. He's um, like, got like, uh, got like the toxic positivity, you know, he'll hate you to your face. Cause he's being nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and there's this kind of vacant yeah. sort of like, uh, like uh, you know, kind of weird, nice, Mister Man kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it, and yeah, so he had a very, you know, like very specific ideas about that, and it just be kind of became like about 
trying to harness as much of that as possible. Um, uh, you know, cause, cause he, you know, he, he would just get deep in character and just kind of go off, uh, on these kind of tangents and, and like, you know, some of it's really great. And then some of it's like, you know, pretty bizarre. And so you just have to kind of make sure that everything's sort of pointing in the right direction for the story. And speaking of story, because it's sort of, it can go off on many tangents. How do you keep track of the, I'll say the reality of it, you know, how, how do you make sure that it's grounded in that the rules exist within your world so it makes sense to an audience as a sort of filmmaker and as a writer how does that all work for you guys for me it's all about the emotion of the character and the scene um you know none of these concepts these high concepts kind of slasher horror comedy classic new movie mashups will work if you don't have an emotional anchor to the story um it will soon get it could really get silly and really get just you know unintentionally scary movie as opposed to like being a straight up parody become a parody in itself um so for me the emotional stakes are driving the story the whole time as i'm writing even if i'm writing comedy um and you know and i think for don't want to speak for tyler but i think the casting decisions really helped and you know the tone he shot it in and stuff and tyler will speak about that yeah i mean yeah tone is always i mean because i make a lot of horror comedies people are very questioning about tone like they usually they essentially uh kind of misinterpret things they think because there's laughs that are intentional or or laughs that are uh meant to come from absurdity that that somehow undermines the scariness and i don't think it does i think it's like they're two sides of the same coin because they're all um just conscious of leading people a certain way and then misdirecting them to something else and uh whether or not you're trying to lead them somewhere and then surprise them with a scare or lead them somewhere and surprise them with a laugh it's kind of the same game and so they work quite well together um and you just have to be honest with yourself about when to be sincere and when to not take it seriously and so uh that was a big uh thing for me especially since we're trying to kind of play in these areas that are a little bit uh intentionally a little bit cheeseball like like the like the hallmark um movies like i have a fair amount of respect for those but we're kind of satirizing those and so you have to be careful that, that it's not coming off and like unintentionally um you know to uh uh gee whiz or something and and so you have to have a certain amount of of um uh you have to have enough of that uh sincerity in there it, that, without it being too saccharine and then you also have to kind of leave yourself um a, a, a room to sort of make fun of it um, and and have these people kind of perform in a heightened way without seeming cynical about it. And so that was always the balance for me was this balance between really, um, you know, ha like having your audience be aware of all these tropes and, and have fun with you playing with them, but at the same time, not coming off as a movie that's actually cynical about Christmas because it's not. And, and that's the thing. It, it is that really, it sort of ends on a, that high note where it does have that great Christmas morning, you know, it's a wonderful life, the end of, you know, a Christmas carol, that sort of energy where, where everybody sort of, there's that happy ending. It's, and I, I think that's kind of, because it's pretty brutal, you know, as, as a film, it, it it is funny, but the kills are bloody and there's, you know, the, the, they, they have depth and sort of fear amongst them. So I, I think you actually managed to, to strike that balance, which I think a lot of people who make horror comedy sometimes don't quite get right. Yeah, it's a tough thing. It's a tough needle to thread. Um, it can go off the rails quickly. 
Oh, definitely. And I mean, like I said before, I really, really enjoyed the movie. And just before I go, I've just got one question. It's a slasher movie. You've got an iconic killer in it. There's got to be sequel potential. And I know you guys are just still like selling the first one here or this movie. Is, is there talk or any ideas or thoughts of a sequel? Um, I mean, not yet. Talks. I have ideas. Um so, you know, see how this one does. I I would I would play in the sandbox again. I I definitely have a really good idea I think that could do uh you could do a follow up with. Um so we'll we'll see what happens. We need folks to show up and see the movie. Yeah, what do you think like it's a wonderful knives or or toys for Christmas or really, what what do you think? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know what you did last Christmas. I, I, I mean, you could, you, oh, could go, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you could go any direction with it, really. There's there's so many puns to uh, to mine, I think. But I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, had a, I had a blast with this one. And I mean, I would watch a half a dozen of these and sort of every other year sort of uh, schedule it into my uh, Christmas calendar and hey. watch them on rotation. But no, I, I had a great time, guys. And like, I said it's a, a, a cool killer, some cool kills, and it's got heart and it's got laughs. So, well, thank you for for making it. It's been great talk, talking with you. Thank you. Uh, awesome. yeah. Thanks so much for uh, chatting with us. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Movies and Focus podcast. I would really appreciate it if you could rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. That's it for this time, and I'll see you at the movies.